Welcome back to another episode of Keone Chats. So if you checked in last week for Austin Candinoza's episode, uh, first off, thank you, Austin, for uh, stepping out of your comfort zone and talking with me and getting your story out there for everyone around the world to hear or watch. Uh, it was a fantastic interview. It was a lot of fun getting to figure out more about him outside of his interest out of MMA. And prior to uh, the recording of this intro, I checked the viewership stats for both YouTube and this uh, platform that I submit the audio version for so it can show up in Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, for example. And for Austin, his video version on YouTube got over 120 views. Holy smokes, that's the, easily the most views any of my interviews have had. So thank you everyone for wanting to check in. Uh, granted, Austin is a high profile person being a professional MMA fighter, but all my guests, they might have high profile hobbies or professions, uh, being like, let's say, a brewmaster, a photographer, a teacher, or just a poet. And But their stories are so unique that I, I urge anyone to check them out. I urge anyone to learn more. You know, Buddy Robert Buddy White might not be a name that you know, for example, but his story is just, it's capulating. It draws you in and makes, for me at least, I mean, okay, granted I'm a little biased because I'm the host, but... I, I think that he is just one of the many examples that, you know, of a, of a story that needed to be told and a story that needed to be out there in the public for everyone to listen to or watch. So my episode today is with Ashmir Prasad. Ashmir and I are both University of Oregon School of Journalism and Communication alumni. So it was great to catch up with her because originally I wanted to leave the uh, UOSOJC, as they say, and pursue a, pursue a career in broadcasting and talking about sports in particular. So while that kind of career path for myself might be a little foggy now with my uh, newfound passion for podcasting, Hashmir pursued it. She, is, uh, she might got a little bit of a, a ding by not being able to be a part of Duck TV, but she worked extremely hard to get past that. And to be a part of nuts and bolts sports and be able to talk about sports, you know, with other athlete, with athletes or other women of color or other people of color, and truly trying to bring more diversity to the uh, sports industry, sports journalism industry. So I'm very happy for her. I'm very proud of her. I'm very happy to have gotten her on the show because she got so used to, you know, being the host, being the one that conducts everything. So it was nice to kind of twist it around and get her to you know take a back seat and just relax and let me kind of drive for a little bit so to say so uh so before i take you off to the interview uh check out my last three episodes so that would be josh mackler kale noon and austin candinoza uh, as i put the i put the details and the websites for uh, the three black-owned restaurants that I visited in my February challenge to try different foods, uh, specifically with it being Black History Month. Uh, I want to try different black-owned restaurants within the Portland area using the website iloveblackfood.com. So check those last three episodes out in the descriptions. Look at their menu, check out their food. And if you aren't in the Portland area, I urge you, please, not don't just try these three restaurants because they're small businesses 
try all the other restaurants. Try any, help any, help all small businesses out because those big people, those big grocery stores, for example, those big restaurants, they'll be fine. But those uh, mom, pa, little cutout restaurants on the side of the buildings that serve maybe the best fries or something like that, they need the help. They need the support. So let's, uh, let's all give that to them. To stay in the loop when it comes to episode announcements, I do make those throughout the uh, social media platforms connected to the KC Media brand. Follow KC Media on Instagram and Twitter under KC Media 13, and also follow us on Facebook for Conlu K Media. So, uh, however you are listening to this podcast, uh, or if you are watching this on YouTube, I hope you enjoy my chat with Ashmir Prasad. You know, with a perspective getting kind of one way with uh, the the work that my guest Ashmir Prasad and I do as far as being in front of a Zoom cam, it, it can be hard to think of the other side. So, Ashmir, you are officially on the other side of the Zoom conversation where I will be asking you. You'll be the interviewee and I am the interviewer. How do you feel about that? It's honestly been a while since I've been interviewed. I think I was interviewed last year when I first met one of my like closest friends now. He was starting a podcast during quarantine and he asked me to be on. It was my friend Henry. I'm pretty, I think we're going to talk about that. But yeah. yeah, that was the last time. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've thought about that too. It's like if I were to jump into, like, let's say a job interview, at least I have all this experience with like being able to string together a, a cohesive sentence and sound yeah. confident. I'm just like, I'm ready. Uh, if my current work employees are listening to this, I'm not leaving. I'm just saying, if it ever happens, <laughs> it happens. Ashmer, how have you been? Because, you know, it's just so many things we can start talking about. But, you know, uh, so you posted recently that you're in this uh, Fine Bet NFL Award show. We started talking about that before we officially started, you know, recording. So I brought up the whole uh, topic of us creatives being too hard on ourselves because we want to be more, I think we're just too nitpicky versus uh, the final product. Now, when it comes to, this award show, for example, you, I mean, I don't want to knock it because it is coming out soon, but what, what do you think was something that you did that you could have be, you could start thinking about improving towards when the next award show comes around? I kind of freeballed all of my answers. And I think I should have like written down like a little idea of what I wanted to say for each category that I was talking about, just because when you're coming up with something on the fly, like it, it works, but I didn't realize how much it would have helped me in this and to just look more like enthusiastic. Like it was an award show, you know, I just like, I was like, and the winner is like, not very yeah. like, okay. And the winner, you know, like not my true self. So I think those were two things that I really noticed um, because I mean, we recorded it so we could do multiple takes, but mm -hmm. after you've repeated like the same thing that sounds good and then you're adding on new things that sound good with that and then you're trying to remember it all you're like making up a brand new explanation when you're done so i think those two for sure <laughs> when you when you start 
this uh, war show came about? Were you thinking of like, you know, the SBs where you get to walk on stage and then you get to read the card? How did you imagine all of it would look? Yeah, I think that was the idea because the company that it's for with Pop Dust, they're very like pop culture. And so I think we were trying to tie in sports with pop culture, which the SB has done, like they've done it fantastically throughout the years. So that was our main goal. I think we achieved that, but I do think, I mean, I still think if I could have reshot it, I would have just been a little different in my presence, like the way I literally presented the winners. (laughs) So in my early stages of this podcast, I would record my intro once and be like, you know what? I don't like how I said that sentence. I'm going to do it again. And then again, and again, next thing on hour later, I'm just like, I'm still working on it. And Mm -hmm. my brother who I live with, he comes in, he's kind of pokes his head through the door. He said that, why are you still working on this? Stop (laughs) sucking, get better. (laughs) How have you ever had that kind of moment when you first started out in this, you know, zoom NFL talk show career that you're getting yourself into? Yeah, when I first hosted a Moving the Chains, so that's like the show I have with Nuts and Bolts Sports, it's called Moving the Chains with Ashmere. When I hosted the first one, I was like super nervous at asking the questions. Like I didn't want to over speak in case they had like another thought that they wanted to get out. Like I just didn't understand the timing of things that you learn as you continue to do them. And I realized I don't really like hosting. Like I like being a part of the interview or a part of the panel or a part of the conversation, but I feel like leading it, especially when you have to do the production along with the show, it's like kind of a lot to think about. We use a platform called StreamYard. So you could see the comments live. You can add videos, you can add pictures, you can do all kinds of stuff. And it's also nicer when you phase in on one person when they're talking. So it's not like all four of us kind of sitting there while they're they're giving their two minute explanation. So there's a lot you could do, but it's also a lot to think about when you're like asking a question and then you want to come up with like your analysis right after they're done. So a lot of moving parts. So are you doing the editing yourself or do you have people that work with you that kind of uh, support you when it comes to editing? No, I stopped doing pre-recorded because I, it's not that I didn't enjoy editing. I do, but there's only so many times you could listen to your voiceover and you're trying to make the cuts like exactly where they're supposed to be. And it's achievable, but you're there for like almost 45 minutes, you know, on the first 10 minutes of the video. And I was like, just forget it. I'm going to go live. If I make an error, I can literally say, oh, my bad. I made an error. Like the other day I said, I was talking about like quarterbacks for the Eagles and I said the wrong guy's name. And then I was like, I literally said on air, I was like, oh, sorry, I got the wrong people. Like, you know, just it, it happens. There's yeah. so many players that we're talking about and people and leagues and blah, 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 blah. It's like, you're going to mess it up eventually. Yeah. How do you keep all that intact or just like, you know, in your organizing your head? Because for me, when it comes to like, so I'm a Patriot fan, people will hate me for that. That's totally fine. But I play Madden like crazy. So anytime it has to do with like depth chart talk, like, oh, this person got cut. And I was like, oh, no, I remember I helped him rise up from like fourth string wide receiver to like number two. Mm. Oh, man. How do you keep all these names and all these teams all organized in your head? I think right now, the girl that I've been shooting with, we've been making outlines and we've tried to only focus on like certain teams and certain people. And so although we know there's other headlines going around or, you know, other storylines, 
I think just being that focused on like what we're actually going to talk about. And then if we do drag on, on a tangent, which we tend to do because her and I have done so many videos together now that it's bound to happen. Mm -hmm. I think that's like the best way. So definitely making our script and outlining like what we, who we want to cover and, you know, people like that. And she's, she's pretty good about knowing like fourth string players. Like she does her research too. So that mm -hmm. helps because then she says the name and you're like, it triggers you. Right. It's, it's yeah. easier than if you were doing a solo show, then you're kind of like, okay, well, I forgot that, <laughs> I forgot that guy's name. That's replacing blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah. And so uh, your comfortability, have you seen it? Cause okay. So for my first episode, I'm terrified to watch it because I know like I was not comfortable at all. I was, I had like, I think, you know, Zoom has a you know, quadrant kind of grid view. I had a grid view for like at least half the episode. I realized no one really needs to see me. They need to see more of the person I'm talking to. Yeah. So have you checked out your early episodes or just your early shows and been like, wow, I was really, I was not there yet. Now oh better. yeah. Yeah. Because I used to pre-record by myself in my living room, like till 10 o'clock at night, I worked nine to five and then I would come home. Actually, I could take you way back when I did my first live stream. I didn't have a ring light. I didn't have technology. Um, I went by the timing of the sunset. Like I got home at five o'clock and I would sit in my living room, which was the only point that the sun was still shining through. And I would do a live stream. And as the sun's going down, I was like, okay, well, I got to wrap up. I'm running yeah. out of daylight. Like, <laughs> so that those two were the worst videos, but I was so nervous. Like you could yeah. see on StreamYard, you could see how many people were watching. And my first video, it was like 25 people or something. Right. And they're mainly my friends and family because you spread the word because like, otherwise nobody's going to watch it. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't, it was just like, wow, this is like really happening. I'm really live on the internet with talking about football and you know you think you're so prepared and then you're not and then eventually I started doing the pre-recording which got better but it was still really hard because it's hard to do it by yourself like you know especially when you're just starting you're not like comfortable in your own skin and your voice isn't known yet so you're still like finding yourself and like where you want to stand on each thing like how how much can you hate on a team without getting hated on right so you have to like find those fine lines now I think because we've done so many videos like people are aware like I'm a Raider fan and I don't like any Patriots teams right like or things like that and this I mean I respect that was, you Ashman this is why I respect you we have was difference different. of opinions <laughs> I think it was the Tom Brady thing that's why I didn't like the Patriots like I don't really care about Tampa because Tom feels like a whole nice guy all of a sudden but that's like a whole different story but yeah over time things felt like I was progressing and my friend actually he made me the like a reel of my old videos and compared to now and he was like dude I went back and watched your old YouTube videos and you've changed so much and I was like I really have yeah <laughs> well going back to the Patriot and Raider kind of conflict well you know, Tom Brady, he does look more relaxed in Tampa. I think that's also the warm weather. And then I, I've never seen him do a Super Bowl parade where he's wearing a short sleeve shirt, sunglasses, and a backwards hat. That's like, what? Throwing the Lombardi trophy on a boat. Yeah. To a tight end who is probably like, what, maybe third string right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, Go for you. Good, good for you, Tom. Good for you. So you and, you and I met. Actually, before I actually jump with that. When it comes to you know early uh, streams and your your family watching, 
what was some of the criticisms they gave you? Because my dad is my, my one of my biggest, my dad, my brother, they're one of my bigger criticizers. My dad is mine too. My sister is too. Like she's, she's very helpful in like her critiques because she knows that it's a very vulnerable thing that we're doing and we're still so like junior in the whole thing. So it's like, she gives it to me in like doses, but my dad, you know, dads are ruthless. They yeah. don't care. Uh, I did an episode of No Huddle Necessary, which is like a, it's kind of like around the horn. We do it on nuts and bolts. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, pitching my analysis or something for the question, giving my answer. And I'm pretty sure I said at the end of the day, like five times, and it's a two minute, you get two minutes each, right? And my dad was like, dude, why did you say that so many times? So now I've actually never said it since that show, because I don't want to ever use that as my transition sentence. And I've noticed how many other people say it. And I was like, okay, first of all, I wasn't that bad that I said it. But second of all, I literally burned the word up, the whole phrase up because I used it so much. So that after that, you know, he's, he always says like, I'm not critiquing you, but you know, all these people are watching and I just want you to put your best foot forward. And then he also like talks game with me now. And he was like, dude, if it wasn't me, like who else would you talk to about it? And I was like, no, I need this like every once in a while. So what, my what's, dad your, is, what's your sister into? She works in um, payroll. She actually got an economics degree from Oregon. So oh. she wants to get more into like marketing and like comp analysis, stuff like you know, with more numbers, I guess you could put it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like your family can be your biggest supporting team. And then also like the worst critiques. Cause like, I can't leave them, you know? Yeah. And plus they know where all the, like the skeletons in the closet are buried. So if they need to like make sure they think you're getting too big of yourself, they need to knock you down a peg. They'll be like, Hey, remember that one time you screwed up and you did this, this, this. I'm like, well, okay. Well, I'm back down to zero. Thanks guys. Thanks. No, I don't think they do that, but they do like they go per show, right? Uh, so I don't that's think, mine. Mine doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I think if you go collectively, like I stumble all the time, or I'm like pausing for too long, or I'm not making sense and I'm rambling. So if they collectively brought up all those things, I'd be like, okay, how else are you supposed to talk if yeah. you're not rambling? <laughs> yeah. Is your sister not uh, not as into sports as you are? No, she is. She, okay. I mean, she keeps up with like football. Like we watch the games together, especially warrior games and stuff. But I think it's not to the same depth that I'm into. Like, she, but she played fantasy football for the first time this year. And she was like, mm. oh, I can, now I'm really understanding like who you're talking about. Right. So it's a step-by-step like growth for her. But I think for her, it's more like fun to see how I can teach her. And that's how I've been taking all my videos now. Like, how can I teach somebody something different and how can I help them like further understand the game because a lot of my friends don't really know that or watch sports or they watch them but like empty-headed right and that's just because they didn't care and so I had this friend I mean we're still friends but back when we could go out her and I would spend every Thursday at BJ's and watch Thursday night football together and so we were watching it and I wouldn't like throw a bunch of stuff at her I would teach her like little things like oh they have four tries to get 10 yards right like simple stuff and then she would ask like oh like it wasn't like 
the main point of conversation either. And so she told me like after that, she would watch a game and feel like better because she actually understood, oh, this is cool. Like I, I know like the main points of this game and I know who you're rooting for and who I'm not rooting for. Or maybe I just didn't like that player in that play. And all of a sudden I'm rooting for this team. And it like really changed the way that she watched the game. And we've only been friends. We were only friends at this point for like seven months. Like we barely knew each other, you know, so. After that, I was like, oh, I like this. I like helping under people understand. Yeah, it's that transfer of knowledge. It's like you have all this experience and all of this, you know, things you've studied, just stuck in your brain. It's like, let's let's get you to my level too. That way we can, you know, have a fun kind of back and forth mm-hmm. conversation. Or like your enjoyable level. Like however much you want to learn about the game, Yeah. then cool. Yeah. You're a perfect resource for that too, especially now that you, it's not like a paying career, but it's, you know, you're putting stuff on your reel that can be used when you are ready to make that leap or the opportunity does come up for, let's say, broadcasting in uh, whatever new station is down there in the good old CA. (laughs) (laughs) So I I, I was thinking about this when you, you know, as you were saying, let's answer that last question. So, Obviously, you can't go into bars yet because of COVID, and California is kind of a hotbed right now, mm-hmm. uh, or at least at the time it's recording. Prior to all that, because you know, you've been in California for about three years, four years. Mm-hmm. So let's say it is a Thursday night. You're at the bar, and uh, you know you hear some guys talking about sports. How often do you kind of like interject and just be like, "Oh, actually, that's that's incorrect. Let me actually like set you straight." Or how much? of that happens for you or how much of like a guy approaches you because he heard you talking about sports? I think I had a lot of guy friends before COVID. So like, I think them knowing that this was where my career was going would lead us to have more of those conversations. Um, But like talking to random people, especially when you're drinking, like they get too opinionated and they become hella rude. Mm. And I feel like they start to diminish like your love for the game because it's almost like they have to show up and like show you out right and I feel like that's just that's just like an ego thing like it's not like a personal thing I think that's just how people are like I don't like to be told that I'm wrong right I don't think anybody does and if you're having a conversation with your friend and all of a sudden this girl just shows up and says like no bro you're actually hella wrong like it's that it's a b and c like did you not catch last week's game or whatever the case may be I like I think it's more fun to do that with your friends because you know that like the responses are not going to hurt your feelings. Like they're, they're going to be joking, but like not in a sense that you're going to feel like you're less knowledgeable of the game. Yeah. So, and going back to that same situation, you know, let's say the guy gives you a response of, Oh, you're, you're a woman. I don't expect you to know this much. How how has it been for you being not just a female trying to you know make sure her presence in the sports industry, sports journalism industry is known, but how is it for you being a woman minority trying to make herself known in this industry? I think you know it does surprise people like a, a lot. Like I, I my work, I think the Eagles had just lost to the Dolphins in 2019. Like it was like a really crazy game I can't remember but the score was like and the Dolphins were like the shittiest team back then yeah so and this guy my work he was a huge Eagles fan he had the flag on his desk and everything and I walked in and I talked shit I was like oh what's up with that game like you guys sucked (laughs) and he looked at me and he was like I didn't know you watched football and I was like yeah I have a sports podcast actually and he was like a like 
flabbergasted. Like he had no idea. Like, and then he said to me later, he's like, you just don't look like the type of person to like be interested in sports. And I was like, yeah, cause I know how to do my hair and makeup, like chill, bro. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's one situation and he's the nicest guy ever. So I know he didn't mean anything by it, but it's just like, that's going to happen all the time. Like when I met my first group of guy friends in the city, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm trying to be a sports broadcaster or like, you know, work for a team in broadcasting. And they were like, dude, that's hella cool. Like there's no brown people out here. And they were granted, they were all Indian. So like it helped. And I feel like the Bay is so diverse that it's a little easier to have that response because we're very diverse out here. And then if you're like, oh yeah, they're like, cool, brown people on TV. I love to see it. So it's, it's like, it depends on the people, but I also think that working with another woman who's a minority, that helps a lot because both of us can like promote each other and like always talk about how we're two diverse brown women and we literally have never met. So I think like doing that helps and just having like a diverse group of people, like I think they're always going to be the ones to hype you up in your corner, but it's, it's like, it's, it's like bad and it's not bad. You know, I think it's gotten better but it definitely started off a little difficult. Like when you would tell people your story, especially when I was first recording, I was like so timid. I hated all the content I put out, but I had to put one out every week or else it was not going to be relevant. Right. And so, yeah, it started off pretty shitty if I'm going to tell the truth, but then it got better. Like, especially with COVID last year, I met so many people through the pandemic, like virtually. And I've built like so many different connections with people I probably would have never seen or spoken to in my lifetime. So, so as well as being a podcast host and being now a guest on a podcast, you are, it's actually your second time being a guest on a podcast, which was mentioned earlier by a a Henry Curry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Back in November. So I did listen to that one. I did uh, take some notes as you were talking and some of the things you were saying just now. Yeah. You, you said those same things in that same podcast, which did go over your story, but you know, you did go to Eugene, which a great school for football, great school for mm-hmm. basketball and all that. But you did mention that it is not as diverse as the Bay Area. So what would you to have that decision to jump from comfortable Bay Area, California, warm to warm on some months, cold, rainy on other months? Yeah. <laughs> Eugene, Oregon. I mean, I applied to a bunch of schools in California, but it's so impacted here like the the GPA requirements like I also didn't know I was going to college like when I was a junior my parents my parents went to community college like they didn't go to school right my my dad was a UPS driver and he retired when he was like 51 or two or something and then my mom she still works in finance but like they didn't go to school right so I was like you know it wasn't really talked about and eventually my mom's like, Hey, when are you going to start your like college applications? And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? Like I thought I was going to go to San Mateo community college and then like go somewhere. And she's like, hell no, you're going to a four year. Like, I don't care what it takes. So then I started looking at schools and I literally had no idea what I wanted to originally be a marriage and child psychologist. That's like what I wanted to do. And so I was like, okay, who has a good psych program? So obviously I applied to like Santa Barbara, San Diego State. I applied to Pomona, like 
a bunch of Cali schools. I applied to Miami because I was like, dude, why the hell not? Who would have gone to school in Miami? You know? Exactly. Just give it a shot. Yeah. And then Washington and Oregon. And so when I got into Oregon, it was like right when the football team was doing so well that my mom and dad were hearing a lot about like the Pac-12 and we have Stanford and Cal out here, but like your girl didn't ever think she was going to get into that school or either of those schools. So <laughs> like, and we didn't grow up being like fans of either of those schools either. Right. So like the PAC 12 was still, it was like brand new to us. And then all of a sudden I get into Oregon and my dad's like, dude, I've been hearing about this school forever. And you got in, this is dope. You have to go. Their football team's amazing. Right. All this stuff. And so then the first time I had ever been there was when I toured like the campus, like you have to go for orientation and we get there and my mom's like, well, first, when you get to that airport, like we all know it's like in the middle of nowhere, it's like mm -hmm. right in between Corvallis and Eugene, like just random place. And so we get there. And I'm like, mom, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like this is nuts. And she's like, yeah, it's fine. And then we get to the campus and we were just like, wow, this is so cool. So it wasn't by choice. It just kind of like happened. And then I was super grateful for it because I was there at like the peak time of all football history, basically for Oregon or one of them. And I went to the national championship when Marcus was there, very emotional game. I never ever want to talk about it or ever see highlights. Cause I cried when I was there. I was so sad <laughs> because it was just like, unfortunate, like Ohio state is a big team, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the diversity, it was a shock. Like I was like, this is wow. Like, my whole high school was like minority people. Like, I think like my, I guess you, I don't know if calling them white is rude, but my white friends, like we had like a group of them, but there was majority of us were like Indian or Filipino or black or whatever. And then I came to Oregon and somebody told me I was the first Indian that they'd ever met. And I was like, bro, what? <laughs> like, and they were like, yeah, there's only two black people in my high school. And I was like, dude, my, like my whole friend group is black. Like, it was just like, yeah. whoa culture change and I don't know if you're on TikTok but there's definitely a group of people that always make fun of like their college self because they kind of turned white I low-key did that so I yeah. came back to the bay and then I was like yo I'm not this person <laughs> <laughs> so Keone Chats is proudly sponsored by Vibes Training Dylan Vibes is a good friend and former guest of the show and after he completed his time being a trainer for these big time uh, fitness industries, he decided to take on the challenge of being his own man, being his own business. So I'm very happy to help lend my support and show my support for his excursion and uh, tell everyone that Vibes Training is a great way to uh, still get your workout in without having to coordinate your schedule with the gym but just having that availability to work out, let's say, I don't know, when you wake up in the morning, roll out of bed, grab a backpack, start doing some lunges, start doing some Russian twist or whatever it may be. So uh, what you wanna do to have that accessibility is go to vibestraining.com and then click on the blue button to get registered. And once you're registered, you will be prompt to download his app. And then from there you will have a plethora of workouts ranging from five to 60 minutes. And then you'll also have a place where you can keep your progress in line. So I know for me, when I was very heavily going back into the gym, I would try to have a notebook and try to make sure like, okay, I did a hundred pounds of lunges 
and then the next day I would just kind of forget to look at my notebook and then next thing you know I've done 90 so I never make progress we're always about making progress when it comes to physical fitness so that is a great place for you to kind of keep in the loop and keep that all under one umbrella so outside of that you can also be a part of a community of fitness enthusiasts that it can either a celebrate your victories or b give you motivation when you need the motivation to get going so go to vibestraining.com click on the blue button and then get vibes fit today <laughs> so it's a change I know that's uh, what my college roommate, I think my first year, because I started at Lincoln Community College and uh, I think those first two, three years uh, during that time, I had a roommate. He was just like, Keone, you're the, you're the whitest Asian I've ever met. It's just like, it's because I'm proper and know how to use a sentence. And he was just like, no, it's just, you know, he doesn't, when he thinks of other Asians, you know, granted, this is a different time, but when he thinks Asians, it's like, I don't fit that mold. Mm -hmm. And for you, you do mention, you know, breaking the mold when it came to being an uh, Indian woman and trying to be in the sports industry. You also broke the mold when it came to like breaking that family trend of, you know, going to community college. How did that feel? It was pretty dope. I mean, on my mom's side, my cousins went to college. So, but I'm the oldest on my dad's side. And so I would be the first one going. And so I was like, wow, this is so crazy. And then my parents would come visit. And then you were like, wow, I'm really like a first generation graduate, you know, like what a world. I mean, my mom was born here, but my dad is from Fiji. So I was like, this is crazy. And I'm also in debt, but you know, <laughs> I guess the story makes it worth it, but. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you, you can't see, but uh, the, my second camera can't see my, my piece of paper is right. Oh, actually right there. Oh yeah. That's my piece of paper. That's uh, always going to be in the back shot from my second camera angle because I'm, I'm so proud. It's just like a crazy thing to just say, like, the school I idolized when I was a kid, I'm now forever part of their alumni association without having to oh, pay. Oh, so not, you wanted not, to go there. I'm not paying to, uh, you know, pay. I'm not paying that alumni association. I'm just saying I'm an alumni. Yeah, I just remember watching, uh, I think it was a Civil War with, uh, oh, God, I can't remember the place. Maybe it was Jonathan Stewart's, like, junior year or something like that they had the duct tape numbers which is looked very weird and it was uh yeah i just remember going to that one and then i think that was when i was finally started to pay attention to the football i was like oh this is fun this is cool i like it i like it do you so you mentioned also that your mom is super knowledgeable about the nfl now just in general how cool is that to say Oh, my mom's a badass. She, when we were younger, she would go to all the Raider games with my dad and she knew everything. And like, she was just super cool. And we would be watching TV on Sundays. And like, it, it was just, it like blew my sister and I away. Like, we we're like, how could this woman know so much about this sport? And then, I mean, you watch TV with your dad. Cause like, that's just the time, but yeah. I think that was like the pivotal moment when I was like, dude, I want people to like think I'm as cool as my mom. Like I want them to be like, oh, Kashmir knows so much stuff. Yes, her name is Kashmir. I so. absolutely love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so, you know, going to some rare games and then going to some duck games as a student, what can you say is the, because, you know, UO, the Austin Stadium, it can get ruckus, but I don't think it can get to the same level of a, an NFL game. What were some of those noticeable differences you saw? I kind of think 
think they're like almost the same. Oregon oh, really? games are insane. Okay. Yeah. If you're a parent listening, your kids are tailgating. Okay. <laughs> they're lying to you if they say they're not. And it's like the same thing as an NFL game, especially when you go there as an adult, like you could buy drinks there, right? It's like just as lit as you can expect it to be. But I do think that the play is a little slower in the NFL than it is in college because college, the scores could be up to like 80 points, 90 points or something, you know, like back-to-back touchdowns. And I feel like that was something that you really notice in the NFL because the defenses are better, right? It's harder to get some down that far on the field, especially if you're playing the Oregon offense, which when we were there was like elite, right? Yeah. And the Raiders are not elite, <laughs> if I could put it kindly. So we're working our way back up. We're, yeah. we're working there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I've been to one NFL game and I just remember just watching it. And then next thing you know, it was like the fourth quarter. I was like, wait, what just happened? I think it's just because like I was there, I was enjoying the moment. I didn't. Plus, it was kind of a nosebleed seats, but it was still like in the stadium. Like, You've only been to one in your life. Yeah, it was uh, MetLife Stadium. It was, I think, it was 2018, maybe. It was the Patriots versus the Jets. Wow, that's crazy. Because I, before the Raiders left, would just wake up on a Sunday and be like, "Should I just go scalp for tickets today? Like, who's going? Like, do I have a group of people that are going?" And then, boom, I'd be on the Bart, and I'd be yeah. at Oakland in 30 minutes. What? Now, mm-hmm. coming up to Oregon, Eugene, did you was was it hard for you to kind of check yourself out of that mentality? Because you can't go back home, or you can go up to Seattle to watch a Seahawks game. There's no like good middle option. I didn't go to a lot of Raider games when I was younger. I think I went to like two with my family, but going when you're your own individual human being is way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is fun to go with your family because you know they're so prepared. Like I feel like ethnic families are always like so prepared and they have literally everything you want to eat because it's your family I think that was better but other than that um yeah I I think younger years I only went a couple times what do you feel so obviously Raiders are now in Vegas how did you feel about mentally having to make that switch from saying Oakland Raiders to Las Vegas Raiders it's like the Warriors leaving Oakland too. It's like, if you're talking about them, you like forget to flip the switch. And I don't really call them Las Vegas Raiders. I just say the Raiders because I don't want, I just don't want to mix it up. <laughs> just like when the Washington football team took off their logo and all of a sudden they, I, we, I said it on a live stream. I was like, oh, sorry, we're still getting used to the new names of like all these yeah. NFL transitions. Yeah. And plus, even some analysts on like ESPN, you know, Adam Schefter or whatnot, they, it, when that's officially happened, I, I, he, I caught him basically slipping up just like you yeah. as well. So it's like, it's like, it's been that name for a bajillion years. Mm-hmm. I think people got it though. I think people got it. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Not Oakland fans. That's for sure. As, as an analyst for the NFL, how do you, how would you summarize this year? Like the one that just, just passed? Yeah, the 2020 year, you know, we had COVID, no fans, and obviously some games had to be moved around. The, I think Thanksgiving with the Raiders, or not Raiders, the uh, Steelers and Ravens come to mind. How did you feel about this whole season and how you had to incorporate talking about it? 
I didn't mind a Tuesday night game. I thought that was pretty cool, but I did really mind all the favoritism towards teams that were playing against each other and how they were treated and how they were either postponed and delayed or like the Broncos situation when they literally didn't have a quarterback and they still made them play like those kind of things made it seem like the season wasn't fair to every team. And it's, it's obviously we, we all have eyes, right. As fans and as people who love the game and talk about it week by week, like, I just don't think that that was the best way to go about things. And it kind of upset me to know that only so many teams can have like this, what is the word I'm thinking of? Like, dominates dominate something like that like they were obviously held to a higher standard than the other teams Mm -hmm. and like yeah we get it the Broncos weren't going to make it to the postseason but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have a fair chance to play a regular game right like I always say this like the players are this is their job right like they're risking their bodies their health their life to play the game but they love playing the game but when those kind of things happens, I feel like that they discourage people and fans and players to really understand and value their worth with the NFL. And I feel like that's always why there's so much controversy and people love and hate it. And like, but then when the season starts, you're like, oh, I love football. So it, it was tough. I think this was like a, the no fans thing. I think quarterbacks and offenses play way better when there's no one in the stadium because there's no one yelling like shitty phrases at you if you're a visiting <laughs> team which would hurt my feelings right like you don't know me right I'm just a player dude so I think that was like and it was an adjustment which helped I feel like it helped teams get closer in a sense like they only had each other on the field they only had each other like 99% of their life for the whole eight months that the season went on so I had a lot of mixed feelings uh in the beginning I was like dude just delay the whole season like give it like three more months you know it'll be fine because by then maybe numbers will go down and then there was certain states that were following their own laws and like here in Cali like literally the Niners had to go to Arizona to play their last couple games you know so there was just it was crazy it was crazy to think about yeah and I I mean for that Bronco game for example it's it was a horrible situation because yeah, around that time, that's, that's like maybe a week or two after the Ravens and the Steelers finally got their game played mm-hmm. that got moved like 12,000 bajillion times, but you know, it sucked for the Bronco fans, but for that kid, Kendall Hinton, Kendall Hamilton, I think that's his name, mm-hmm. his Jersey and all of his info got put in the Canton hall of fame. I was like, that's awesome. It yeah. sucked, but it's also like, there's a silver lining that I saw out of the whole crappiness of that whole just like month span where all that was going on. I mean, I did appreciate how the Titans had like half of their team had COVID and they came back and just slaughtered the bills. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess I'm like an unofficial Titans fan because Marcus was there. So I like always kind of root for them in a weird way. And I love AJ Brown. He's my keeper on my fantasy league. Uh, Okay. There's that bias. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I love the Titans. I mean, when Mar- when Mario was there, I was like, Mariota, I was like, okay, this is cool. Great Oregon guy. But I also just love that, like, the running downfield. I love the power eye formation. I love just, just not just, like, run to the teeth of the defense, as all the analysts say, mm-hmm. and then play action to a tight end. You know, I'm a Patriot fan, so, like, I love me some tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did – oh, hello, Ben. 
so I didn't know this about you, but you volunteered at Super Bowl 50 in 2016 because I think that's when it was in Levi Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what did you do there? So they held it in San Francisco when Levi Stadium's like an hour away from the city, which is still weird. Um, but they had like a ton of events and it was insane to see how much money could be put into this tiny little city because San Francisco is not that big. And they had, it was, it was lit. Like everywhere you went, there was something going on. There was someone talking. There was like, they had these like three level up speakers with all the analysts that you could see like live. And so the whole time I did it with my mom. Um, and the whole time we were just like, dude, this is so cool. And we got like to meet Derek Carr real quick. He was in the mall, but like, they didn't tell us a lot of stuff. Like we had an itinerary, but it was more so of just like the general, like we didn't know who was going to be where, what day, which kind of sucked because I would have loved to like spread around and covered some other area. And I would have known that somebody else was going to be there, like Colleen Wolf's talking or something, you know, like be part of those situations. But yeah, it was, it was fun. Exhausting. I was there for like six hours or something for like three days. So were you just there as like a security guard or just kind of monitor? Yeah, you just like answer people's questions or, you know, I was just like a, one of those people that is like an, a live Q&A person, you know, that's what it was. Yeah. So did you do a lot of pacing around the area just to make sure that you covered all your ground or was just like, you were just stationed at one spot? Yeah, it was both. Like at the entrance, I was there. So like making sure people that got through weren't like stealing anything or like trying to bring in alcohol even though like of course you are so <laughs> just like random stuff like that yeah okay and so meeting Derek Carr it, obviously he's currently the Raiders quarterback how did that feel how do you like kind of handle all of your kind of fangirl and be like okay I gotta keep a cool eye I don't want to be that crazy fan that comes up to this quarterback and scare him half to death yeah well my mom did it for me she, oh, perfect. Perfect. she was the one that was more like my husband's a huge Raider fan oh my god like when he came from Fiji like she's like went <laughs> off so I, I was just like yo it's cool that you're taking our picture like thanks like we're volunteers you know I like kept the cool part so she was the fangirl and that's her personality like when I make it she's gonna be the fangirl she's gonna be like oh my god my daughter has always talked about you since she's been trying to get a job right so that's just who she is that's parents' jobs in general. It's like they're gonna gloat about their kids, and you know, let's say I do a great artwork when I was, a, you know, a child. She, my mom's gonna brag about that for a month. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. my son, he just really did that circle really nicely. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah they're nice. our number one hype team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, you're very cool, calm, collected. You know, even during this conversation, like I just noticed that you're very, very composed. Mm-hmm. Have you always been like that, or are you just kind of like? as time progressed, you're like, okay, you need to sharpen it up a little bit. I feel like when I was filming alone, that made me compose because if I acted out, I'm literally by myself. Like <laughs> there was going to be no one to give me that positive reinforcement or laugh at my joke or any type of interaction. Cause I'm literally filming in my living room at nine o'clock at night by myself. And so after that, you watch yourself over and you notice like these weird little things that you do. Like I try not to use my hands as much mm. as I feel like when you're in studio or something, like it's it's a little more 
inclusive because people can actually see your hands but like when i'm doing it back here like you could it's like weird you know yeah. so yeah you're like, I, little I don't things. know what to do with these things yeah <laughs> yeah but then if you're you have them down you look like you're too stiff right so you it i think it just comes with how many times i had done it alone until i learned how to do it with somebody else yeah i know it's i i think i have a bad back so i need to kind of keep my posture a little straight because otherwise if i hunch over i'm just gonna it's gonna be achy basically i'll just yeah. kind of fall over to the ground like an old man but yeah it's it's definitely helped me be able to have all these conversations over zoom just because i can i'm in the office so i'm still working um I, i'm able to carry my this comfortability over to that real life situation you currently are still working as well, but you told me that you are a recruiter. How has this experience being in front of Zoom and talking helped you in that career? I don't know if it's helped a lot. I think my the reason I got into it was I started in HR first and then I rolled over to recruiting because I didn't love HR. And I, it was just because I was handling so many pieces that are within HR and anyone that ever works there or has worked there, like they know that there's so many different things that you manage. And after that, I was like, okay, I only want to do like one part of this. And I liked the TA side, the talent acquisition and then the recruiting side, because once you meet a candidate, I mean, you're essentially just reviewing all their info and then saying, hey, I, this job looks like perfect for you or you look like a good fit and do you want to be submitted and then they say yes or no and if they say no then you just say the exact same thing to somebody else right so I think because you know what to expect it's helpful and then you're kind of just carrying them along through the process until they're hired or they're not hired and then you're saying you know congrats we're extending the offer or hey so sorry we went with the internal or whatever so it's very like it's very conversational and like you need to have a good personality and you need to be understanding and you have empathy. And I feel like those are all the same things that come with this type of reporting and this type of industry. Like you still want to be hitting the facts and like telling people the right sentences. Like we're almost using the same sentences time and time and again, but then we're also like covering things that need to have a more sensitive reaction to them. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. how, how is your reporting or how was your, covering of when black lives matter was a big movement going on and then the sports world's reaction you know nba they took a knee and they actually uh, i think there was a milwaukee game that got canceled mm -hmm. how was it how was it covering those events for the sports world it, it's like difficult because you don't it's so sensitive and obviously we all had like these kind of similar raging feelings and you're still having to talk about what you're experiencing or what you're seeing. And for us, it's kind of like secondhand information because we're not the number one media outlet on the scene or we're not the ones breaking it. So it's figuring out a way to not repeat what people have said and then also maybe talk about different storylines or highlight different people, especially from the NBA that there were so many people included in the whole thing. So I think just maintaining that same empathy and, you know, not turning it against the what's wrong and what's right and how it should be and how it is and how that's wrong. It's more so just saying what's happening and how it's helping and impacting and how it's affecting the players because it's, it's mainly the players that made those headlines so important, you know, like their, 
involvement in the protests and like how they literally weren't going to play in the bubble unless X, Y, and Z was done and things like that. I think that's what really needed to be highlighted and not more so why why so many people felt like they needed to be involved, I, I guess. I think that's kind of like a complicated answer, but the whole thing was complicated. Yeah, yeah. There's no easy way to like organize that or no easy way to make sense of all the stuff mm -hmm. that happened. How did you feel personally about it all? Well, I remember when George Floyd was on the news and it like hit me in my head and I mentioned it to my sister because we were working from home and she's like, yeah, I saw the video too. And I was like, dude, how can some, how can that happen? Right? Like it's being filmed. It's live on TV. The man is huge. Okay. Like he's obviously not resisting. And then the whole world basically broke out. And I mean, my sister and I were here thinking like, what should we do? Like, should we go to the protests? Like, should, you know, we're like donating to whatever funds people are posting about. Like we're posting all the stories on Twitter about people that were missing. Like, you know, we were like, I think everyone was like a social media activist at that point, like just whatever news you had. And I think also just conversing with our parents because they're brown too, right? Like my dad was called hella names when he came here from Fiji. And so like to him, he's always like, I hate the way that people are treated too. Like why, you know, why does it even matter? So I think we were just trying to not be depressed, but then mm -hmm. also trying to like be an aid in any way we could. And then talking about whatever we could. And I mean, to this day, my sister and I are still like, dude, what about all those people that went missing? Like, what about all those activists that like, we we never, they all of a sudden found out they were dead three days later, right? Like, why, when is this ever gonna come to the light and those people can get like the actual recognition and like the criminals can be reprimanded for what they did, right? So it's like, it never goes away. Like mm -hmm. how much how much that changed everything. And where I live is so, diverse like I keep saying and so the protests here were like massive and I didn't end up going to one because I was kind of worried with COVID and it was like a hella hot so I don't think it would have I don't think there were that many numbers at that time but I still was thinking like eh, I still live with my mom I don't want her to be like exposed possibly and it's because I'm out here so yeah that's always the tricky part because mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I'm not sure if you kept up with what happened in Portland. I mean, it was blown all over CNN. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've, I know a couple of people that walked also, and they asked me if I wanted to, but I was just, you know, I've said this on the show a few times. It's like, there's so many like questionable variables that kind of make me pause, kind of kicking that anxiety of trying to help and be involved. But, you know, you, you did what you could as far as like signing petitions or donating mm -hmm. and just being active on social media. So it we did we did the best we could. We did what we okay. could. So it's I think just trying to like be okay with that. That's always been a little bit tough for me. Yeah, no, definitely. So I mean there's no really easy way to transition into this, but <laughs> so um you also, you know, speaking of actually, maybe this is a good transition. Um so social media, you know, you said that everyone was an activist during that time. You are a social media coordinator or you were for the South Asians in sports. Is it, is it a website or? Yeah, it's like a networking group. 
-hmm. So it's similar to like these other things like NAA. If there's another one called AAJ, and then I think there's the NABJ or NAGA or something. There's like all kinds of them. So it's like similar to those. Mm. How was that? Because when I got out of college, I got a social media type job where I had no idea what I was doing. I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to post on social media and use hashtags and figure it out as I go. Maybe <laughs> I was never much in social media when I, I look, but I was never much of a big poster when it came to in college and whatnot. How was it for you having that actually be a job for you? Well, the nuts and bolts social media position was the first one that I did. Mm -hmm. And I was the same as you. Like, I had no clue what your grid aesthetic was supposed to look like, like how consistent you're supposed to be, like the engagement on the profile, like none of that stuff. And so I started posting and I I would mainly post myself because I was like, oh, I'm doing a show tonight or whatever. But I was also the only person that had the login information. So it was like, if it wasn't me, it was never going to be posted. So it was okay. Like, I definitely don't like coming up with content, especially when you have to repurpose old content, like from other platforms. I feel like that's where it's difficult. Like if we owned, like if we had a photographer that was able to like attend the bubble or whatever the case may be, and I'm using that information, I feel like that would have been a lot easier, but just the usage of different graphics and you can't really use NFL highlights, right? There's a lot of things that you have to maneuver around when you're working for like a secondhand site. So I think that was the most difficult. And then for South Asians in sports, by the time I got to it, I was like, oh, I could do this easily. And like within the first three months, I think I got like a hundred new followers. Like the engagement was up like 2000%. Like it was insane, but it was also cool because I didn't know that this plot, that whole network existed. And then I also didn't know how many South Asians there are that are doing sports journalism or that are journalists or, you know, they all these things so it opened my eyes to like my own community which is cool because right now there's a ton of South Asian athletes that are like coming up like there's these two guys that play baseball and one of them plays at Vanderbilt and I'm hoping that I could get an interview with like a couple of these players like that new guy that just got signed to the G League Mm -hmm. I can't remember Principal Singh I think that's his name so a lot of different ways to be exposed to the people in my own community that are breaking norms and why not have me get to cover it so yeah. it's giving me that outlet as well exactly why why not me what mm-hmm. and that you know going back to you know you're you breaking out of that mold of of you know going to community college it's like you know, why, why can't i go to these schools applying for miami why can't i go there <laughs> granted it'll be expensive but yeah, totally. <laughs> why not why not <laughs> The wish is kind of being granted for you as far as like being able to go on these your nuts and bolts and talk about sports with other fellow athletes and just being able to do that kind of lifestyle. So you volunteered at Make a Wish. See, that's that was the little tidbit I dropped just now. Uh, but so volunteer at Make a Wish. That's a, that's honestly I could see that being extremely rewarding. How was that for you? Are you still doing that to an extent prior to COVID, or are you just once in a while spurts? No, so at Oregon, the sorority I was in, their charity and their organization was Make-A-Wish. So we would like hold like two or three events and all the proceeds would go to Make-A-Wish. So that's why I would call myself a volunteer, but it was like the whole. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Mm -hmm. what, what were some of those events? We had like an Olympics event where we like had the other 
Greek life houses like compete against one another and like you had to pay like a, an admission fee per team or something. That was one of them. And then we had a function, which like you had to pay $20 to go to. So it was mainly us paying, but like having someone else also pay with us. Um, that was like the majority. And then we would also send out like email campaigns to like um, alumni or, you know, other chapters or like just people that were within our own networks or something we would send those out to just to like get the word out that we're always like accepting donations like from our chapter so okay so you weren't with let's say john cena and you go visit a kid in the hospital that had the yeah no 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 no. i was never (laughs) that close to the whole process how cool would that be though a yeah that would have been dope Keone Chats is proudly sponsored by Cove Hard Yerba Mate. Josh Mackler is a good friend and former guest of the show. And following my interview with him, I was still confused about Yerba Mate and really didn't know how it tasted. So I went to Winco, Fred Meyer, whatever grocery store, and got that yellow can that just says Yerba Mate on it and really got a baseline for it. So once his that variety pack that he sent my way to try came in i out of all the flavors i gotta say berry was my favorite just because of how crisp and then how i like a little bit of fruitiness in my drinks uh go ahead and make some make some jokes but i do like uh some of that fruitiness some of the sweetness uh so it really pierced through on uh the berry flavor all of the flavors are great don't get me wrong but that one was just kind of the one that for me so what was also great about josh's product and josh's hard yerba mate is that it's vegan. So my brother, who is vegan, you know, I always want to make sure like anything that I have, I want to see, make sure there's some way for him to try as well. So he was able to try it. He told his friends about it. And now I was, he's spreading the word of Kove. And that's what I want. I want to help spread the word of anything that my friends are part of and just give them more notoriety. So, uh, so if you are interested in trying some of Josh's Kove Hard Yerba Mate can get some at a nice discounted 25% off. So how to do that? You go to hardyerbamate.com, H-A-R-D-Y-E-R-B-A-M-A-T-E. You must be 21 and over to purchase any Hard Yerba Mate from Josh and Kove. So once you get to uh, his site, look for some of the flavors you want to try, or maybe you want to try a variety pack as well. Uh, once or if you want to get some uh, merch what you'll do is uh, start building that cart and then before you check out put in the discount code keoni chats kove that's k-e-o-n-i-c-h-a-t-s-k-o-v-e for 25 percent off the total purchase and that can go a long way that's insane um honestly when he told me that it was gonna be 25 percent off i was just like are you sure are you sure? But he's very gracious. He's very generous. So uh, use a discount code to try some of his products, to really taste something different, to really feel a lighterness in your stomach following a drinking because, you know, if it's a weekday, for example, you, you want to relax. You don't want to drink a hard 12 beers or something like that and feel heavy and bloated and then go into work the next day and just feel like a giant marble. So... Josh's products will help you feel fresh, light, a little bit of buzz, but you know what? You'll still uh, 
you still feel good about it. You still feel nice about it. So check it out. Kove Hard Yerba Mate. H-A-R-D-Y-E-R-B-A-M-A-T-E dot com. Discount code Keone Chats. K-E-O-N-I-C-H-A-T-S-K-O-V-E for 25% off today. Oh, I remember. Would have been dope and sad. Yeah, yeah. There's always ups and downs, especially when it comes to the Make a Wish Foundation. Mm -hmm. It's like, cool. I get to meet a celebrity or athlete. Awesome. Also, experience expose them to somebody that has like a very bad disease. Yeah. So, uh, I was watching this show called The League uh, again on FX and or Hulu, but it was with FX. I just remember it was a bunch. So for those that don't know about the show, it's basically these group of guys that play fantasy football and they're very like, it's a comedy. So they get very intense and crazy, but I think they faked this one kid. Uh, this one kid was in the hospital. He wanted to make a wish and he's like, Oh, I want to meet, I want to meet Josh Cribs. And he's like, no, 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 no. You want to meet Matt Forte. You want to meet Matt Forte. <laughs> so he, he, they pulled some strings and got Matt Forte to actually do the guest appearance. So that, for some reason, that's just exactly what I think when it comes to Make-A-Wish. It's like a bunch of guys in fantasy football screwing over some kid. But it's still, you know, the, the fun parts of making a kid happy is, is there. Dude, that's my favorite show. Right? <laughs> I love that show because they're so funny. And the wife is hilarious how she knows way more stuff than the whole team. And she's like competing with her husband. And yeah, that show was awesome. Yeah. And I was just like, it's, it, I think when you watch that show again during fantasy football season, it's just like, it's so right. Oh, yeah. It's You're competing so for, you don't give a shit who you throw under. <laughs> no, you don't. You want to win. So, how did you feel about the Shiva trophy? Just the fact that they Oh, used... I thought that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Indian girl. They're all obsessed with an Indian girl. I texted my fantasy chat and I was like, so y'all going to make an Ashmere trophy? Because like, obviously Indian girls are trending. Exactly. Exactly. And I've known them since I was in high school. It's like my high school fantasy football team. And so they were all laughing because obviously we've all watched the show and it was just great. Like, what what were the odds that they were obsessed with this Indian girl? Right. And then I remember one episode where they actually like mounted the trophy onto a car, like a really crappy car, and then they named the Shiva Mobile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, like that's the perfect. Obsession. And then when she showed up, sometimes like they would run into her. Like that oh, yeah. was too funny. <laughs> Even the wife, she was like, oh my god, Shiva, it's you. I can't believe you're in. <laughs> like the fan girl, and she's like, you guys still have that dirty ass trophy of me. Yeah, it's like you guys are disgusting. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> was there anyone in your sorority that was as big of an NFL fan or just football fan or sports fan as you were? Are? Yeah, I think I think everyone was like they had that knowledge that I was talking about with my friend earlier. I think it, they were all like at that point. Um, but there were like a handful of girls that were also like working with the baseball team or they were doing other like sports programs. Um, so yeah okay and then have you thought about bringing them onto your show i don't think they're doing it anymore oh yeah it was definitely like they did a lot of it in school and i think that helped them get into you know where they're at now i don't know anyone else except kristen mcdougall and there's another girl katie mclean They're, they're the only two that i know are like working still in sports yeah okay 
Okay. Yeah. So uh, for those that are listening, I met Ashmere through the University of Oregon's School of Journalism and Communications. And the idea was brought to me to have a Duck TV type of reunion for the sports department. So I can't remember, were you a part of Duck TV as well? Or were you just uh, kind of in the journalism program as a whole? No, I auditioned, but I wasn't selected. So Hmm. those jerks. So college is so like political. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I was going to say, like, there was a lot of. If, if I looked at my film from when I was with Duck TV to where I am now, I would just be like, I'm a robot. I'm extremely stiff. I don't know what I'm saying. So that progress again, which we said, is just, it's fun to see us make that. Yeah, totally. You know? You know? So Ashmere, I like to end my interviews by asking a couple of questions from this hypothetical packet of 170 questions. So okay. I'm going to ask you a couple uh, if you want to do the whole gambit of 170, we definitely can. It's just going to, I think that could take at least an hour just because we <laughs> yeah, don't know easily. how in depth. Easily. <laughs> easily. Easily. So it, my first question to you, if you could choose a nickname and have people call it, call you with it, completely seriousness with no matter how ridiculous, what nickname would you want? So if you could choose a nickname and people have to, use it when addressing you in a serious matter no matter how ridiculous and how stupid it is what nickname would you want i don't really have one i feel like people use my name enough with their own nicknames like Schmearface, like that's my twitter my instagram or whatever so it was like they would make jokes about schmear like schmear on a bagel you know mm-hmm. not saying that those were nicknames i would choose but i don't think there's like a nickname that I like that it's going to be that I need to have it repeated to me multiple times. A day. <laughs> <laughs> I Okay. So I remember when we were like talking again, everything is scheduled for this interview. And then I think I saw you posting a photo of yourself with another woman that had your same last name. And you said it's very common for the Indian culture for names in general in the Indian culture. How do you kind of like move past it when it gets butchered? often and often and often I just say my name's like cashmere without the k because it I feel like it's it's spelled out that you could say ashmere I don't know how else if you could say like there's no extra letters that make it complicated but I know in the Indian culture there are like difficult names or like two people names so that makes it hard but the girl that I do the interviews with Ariana her name is pretty easy as well so I feel like just identifying that before it's able to be miscommunicated or like misspelled or mispronounced, like that's just the way to go. Like when we do our intro, we always say, oh, Ashmere and Ariana Prasad, we're not related. Like Prasad's (laughs) a very common last name in the South Asian culture, so. You made it clear, but also putting a little fun spin to it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Not too serious with it. And I think that's, I, I think, I mean, as someone with a name that can get either, when I was younger, it was either Peony or uh, I think, yeah, peeling like the flower. And then I don't know, maybe someone called me pepperoni. I don't know, but it's just <laughs> like, there are ways that it could get butchered. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, you're trying. That's all I can ask. Totally. So my second question to you is that if you could go back and undo one thing you did, what would you undo? And we could also put a timeline on this also, if, if it's too hard for you to kind of think throughout your whole lifetime. I probably would have like tried a little harder in high school 
and maybe use the resources I had there to jumpstart what I'm doing now. I think that's what I would have done, especially like senior year, because I mean, I, I, if I had known I was going to go to college, like the minute I graduated eighth grade or something like, Hey, just so you know, we're, we want to send you to a four year. I feel like I would have just done things a little differently, maybe volunteered at actual things that would make me feel like I'm contributing and also learning. Um, that is one thing. And then kind of similar in college, like I was partying a lot. Yeah. So I probably would party <laughs> a little less. <laughs> so how, how'd you feel about Taylor's closing? Oh, that was pretty crazy. I, I mean, like, dude, the bartenders were hella weird. Okay. Yeah. They were super sketchy. Like by senior year, all of us were like best friends with all of them. Like whatever we said, like we could reserve a table there. It was like no big deals. It was insane. So it was, it was like surprising and not surprising, but I felt bad for the women that had to go through something or the stories that came out because that's not cool when you're a kid. And like, of course people are getting like shit faced. It's college. And so to go to a place where these people are like not supposed to make you feel that way, I, I felt like that was shitty. That was bad to see. And yeah. like it, it has like a reputation of being like the best bar to go to, which I think just started as we went there. Like, I don't think it was always known for that. I think each bar individually was like a pop in place to be. Oh, Plus yeah. the street is only like this big, right? Like <laughs> it, a it, narrow yeah. bike lane, if you will. So and there was yeah. a bike lane, which is very surprising. I was like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, because I, I just thought of, you know, those people that, you know, let's say when it officially became closed, it was their senior year, and they saw, you know, three classes prior, have their senior, like, last drink at table. Oh, totally. You know, like it opened walk. at 6 a.m. or something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was like, it's so sad, but also, yeah, all those incidents happen. It's like, it was time for you guys to just close totally. up shop. Yeah, I would love to buy that place and make it a new bar. Ooh. Yeah, like very Indian themed, like have samosas or something for appetizers, you know. Yes, yes. I was just thinking that. I was like, is there an Indian restaurant? Uh, there is like one a little bit off campus, but mm-hmm. like one yeah. on campus? I was like, I didn't think so. No, but all the on-campus places were hella good. So that's true. Even Taylor's had good food, but that's true. Just not really good people. Rennie, Rennie's tots were always the the golden golden uh, standard. Yeah, each piece of like each place was its own like nugget, but I think Taylor's was like the universal like shit show, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I think for me it would just be, you know, I played high school sports. I was like, I thought it was just more dedicated to being a football player or being a wrestler or being a dragon boater. It's like, where would it be now? Cause like, obviously I stopped growing. I was like, I could be a, a more talented person when it comes to like those sports. But that's one that that's one I think about. It's like, mm-hmm. Hmm. If only I actually, you know, met with the coaches and actually worked <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Ashbert, where can the people find you on social media? Where can they find your work? Right now it's on YouTube, on Nuts and Bolts YouTube. Um, it's called Moving the Chains with Ashmere. It's also on my Twitter, Ashmere Prasad. I post a lot of stuff there. And yeah, I think if you just search my name, it's it's <laughs> got to be tagged in there. I hope I'm the one writing the captions. I'm tagging myself. So yeah, yeah definitely on my Twitter. And uh, I also have a Sports with Schmear website. So one of those three should get you to where you want to be. 
exactly exactly just follow the breadcrumbs mm-hmm, exactly so before we officially hit end uh you were worried about sitting for over an hour maybe an hour and a half doing an interview now we're we crossed that finish line how do you feel well how long were we at where were we at uh i think like an hour 10 oh hour okay 15. yeah so yeah like no i mean i think there's so many points that until you start repeating your story. So I was wondering if I was going to get to that point. I think that was my thing. Ah, okay. Mm. See, you didn't repeat. If anything, you just repeat your story that you said on a different podcast. And I'm okay with that. Oh, true. Okay. 100%. Cool, cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for sticking around until the end of the episode. If you like what you heard or watched and would like more episodes from Keone Chats, the show can be found on all major podcast platforms under Keone Chats. A video version is available on YouTube under Keone Chats as well. So like and subscribe on those platforms to keep in the loop as far as the next episode released. But if you would like to be a guest, go ahead and email me your story at kcmedia13 at yahoo.com and I'd love to get you scheduled. To keep up to date with all of the episode release announcements on social media, the KC uh, Media brand can be found on Instagram and Twitter under KC Media 13. And then on Facebook, it can be found under Kanluke Media. So until the next episode, everyone, please take care.